Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. You're listening to an episode of The Host Show. I am your host, Jasper Rivers, and we release a new episode of this show every single Monday. And in these episodes, I interview Airbnb hosts from all around the world to share their stories and provide tips and tricks on how to get started and be successful as an Airbnb host. Now, this episode is brought to you by Legends X, our 90-day short-term rental accelerator program that's designed to help you skill your hosting business by getting yourself out of the daily operations. So that frees up your time so you can become the CEO of your business instead of the manager and really focus on those higher level tasks that move the needle and allow you to grow. So for more information about Legends X and how to join, visit strlegends.com X. Now let's dive into today's episode. Enjoy the show. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Welcome to podcast number 515 of Get Paid for Your Pad. Now, this is a very special episode. I know I say that every episode, but this is really a special episode because number one, I'm sitting at my own Airbnb. This is my my roof terrace of my in my Airbnb in Cali, in Colombia, where I'm currently at. But also, this is the first time that I'm recording a podcast uh, with my new camera. So if you want to go on YouTube, you can see the camera, the, the video quality has improved a lot. I got a brand new camera, so I'm excited to test it out. And I'm recording this podcast live. Uh, together with my friend, Patrick Spanfelner. Did I say that right? <laughs> His surname is very hard to pronounce, but we'll just call him Patrick. He's my property manager here in Cali, Colombia. He's a good friend as well. And today we are going to talk about investing opportunities for short-term rentals here in Colombia. And also what is it like managing units? I think Patrick manages around 30, 30 to 50. I'll let him give us the exact number. But yeah, I'm excited to dive into this. So Patrick, why don't you start off by uh, telling the story of how you actually ended up in Cali here in the first place. I know it's a pretty cool story. And then we'll talk a bit about your business. All right. Thank you, Jasper. Thank you for having me on. I think this is probably the second or third time that we do some sort of an event together. I thought this was a special show because I was your guest, but no, it's because the camera and of course, because you... <laughs> so yeah. I came to Colombia first time in 2011. I bought a motorcycle in the United States and I rode it all the way to Brazil. And I met a beautiful little local Indian chick. No, that's not true, but she's a local little girl. And she came to visit me after the trip or not. Actually, it was during the trip. She came to visit me first in Peru for 10 days. And then we met in Brazil for three weeks, riding around the motorcycle together. And then I sold the bike, went to Carnaval, sent her back to Colombia. And then we met again in Italy a year later and she got pregnant and I had to grow up and I moved to Colombia and that was in our year 2013 and I've been here ever since. So it's about nine years now, almost a decade. And it wasn't, you know, a smooth transition to move into the jungle. I come from Denmark, which is very similar to Holland in terms of infrastructure, in terms of culture, in terms of just being over, you know, generally a civilized place. And when you move to Colombia, it's it's quite different. Yeah. <laughs> so culturally, things are different here. Socially, things are different. Economically, things are different. Bureaucracy-wise, things are different. In terms of corruption, security, there are many different things that kind of play in, which makes this a, a very, very interesting place to be. 
So uh, I was a kid in Denmark when the financial crisis came back in a year, you know, 2006, 2007, 2008. I always wanted to get into real estate, but the square meter prices were just ridiculous. And people were buying and selling real estate with negative yield. I mean, you would have to take money out of your pocket just to pay the mortgage every single month, which is a completely weird concept. And unless you had a lot of money, it was just an impossible market to kind of enter. So when I came to Colombia, I kind of gave up because I didn't come from a rich and wealthy family in, in Denmark, and I didn't have a lot of savings myself. So when I came here, I saw that we can actually buy square meters. This was back when the dollar to the peso was about 1800, but you could still buy a square meter or a square foot. A square meter would have been a couple of hundred dollars and a square foot about $30, which for me was completely unreal compared to any other market in the world. And of course, this meant buying real estate that had to be transformed. But at the same time, I could see that the trajectory that Colombia was on economically, looking at the tourism, but also it was kind of a, a place that was opening up in the 90s. Medellin, Cali were known as some of the most dangerous cities in the world. And, and now they're some of the fairytale growth stories from Latin America. Everybody loves to come, especially Medellin has a really, really good reputation. So I started seeing this little business called Airbnb coming up. And I didn't have a lot of money, but I had enough money to buy one apartment with my wife. And we renovated it and we started renting it out. And it went well until we got in trouble with the neighbors. There's very, very low trust here and they don't like having a flow of tourists through their buildings. And, and you got to admit, in, in this market, in Colombia, it's famous for women, it's famous for partying, it's famous for cheap drugs. So when you do business here, it's impossible not to attract a little bit of that market as well. So um, that apart, there is also a law that makes it so that in a residential building, the minimum contract signed needs to be 30 days. And of course, I was violating that by all means. So I got in trouble with the administration and we ended up having to sell that apartment and I bought another one uh, and another one with a friend in a small building with four units where we ended up controlling 50% of the building and then we could better get away with doing our short-term rentals and we were kind of collaborating uh, with the maintenance of the building so we kind of got along but it was still kind of you know operating on the gray but I figured out I needed scale I needed to get you know to 10 15 20 30 units and how do you do that when you're in an economy where first and foremost, you're earning in pesos, so it's not exactly a hard currency. But second of all, you're also talking about or thinking about working with the local banks, which charge anywhere from 10 to 16% interest, which could pull the profitability out of just about any project. So I had to figure out a way to scale. And there was this company called Life Afar. It was called Far International back in those days, or First American Realty up in Medellin, started by a guy called Rich Holman, which I think we both know. Okay, you've had a podcast with him. He's my old business partner. I reached out to them through a mutual friend who knew them, who had been buying real estate or at least looking at the real estate market in Medellin and said, hey, uh, my friend Patrick would like to work with you. And he said, okay, we'll tell your friend Patrick to give us a call. And I gave them a call and I invited them down to Cali and say, I think they already at that time had a small operation in Bogota. They had a small operation in Cartagena and they had a fairly big operation in, in Medellin at that time. And I invited them down to Cali. I told them, hey, I think there's a big potential here. I would like to be a partner. I would like to develop this market for you. And we pretty much, after a couple of meetings back and forth, I was introduced to their team up in Medellin. Uh, I was kind of grilled by the whole board of directors <laughs> sitting there alone by myself trying to defend this market because Kali didn't exactly have the best fame at the time. Uh, I managed to convince them. And when they came down here, Joe and Jeremy, which was Rich's business partners, they were also kind of blown away by the value 
of what you could actually buy in Cali at the time. So we started out doing uh, three projects, one of them actually being the project we're sitting in right now. Um, so two of the projects, uh, what Life of Far did was that they had two business models. One they called the prep, where they would raise capital for full building, but not by selling units, but by selling participation. So you would buy a percentage uh, of a building, and then you would have access to an investor visa in Colombia and preferential rates if you wanted to stay at your own property. And then they estimated that you would make somewhere between, I think, 6 and 8% return. And then the other business model is what they called the TIP, was a turnkey investment property, something like that. And that was what you bought, which meant that we took a, a small multifamily house, we subdivided, it had only one, one title and we subdivided, we got four titles and we renovated and then we sold each unit off. And uh, you were the lucky buyer of uh, this top floor, which has an amazing view. I don't know if they can see us. <laughs> the mountains in the background, we have El Peñon, which is uh, one of the attractive Sonorosas full of restaurants. We have San Antonio, the colonial district behind us. And we're only a couple of blocks from the River Boulevard, a couple of blocks from Granada, which is also full of restaurants and entertainment. So overall, it's it's a really good, desirable location. And I remember you came in here and you kind of crunched the numbers and I was blown away. You're standing up here in the terrace and you said, yes, I think I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> it was like the fastest decision making process I've ever seen. Yeah. So, so that's what we did. Life afar, I don't want to get too much into it, but life afar kind of dissolved and I, I left the company and I had to start up on myself. And I was kind of forced out of life afar after having invested in the company, which is kind of a, a sad story. I don't want to sit here and spill the beans, but <laughs> but I had to get back into the game. And since life afar kind of dissolved, the old life afar investors, you included, and the people that had invested in the other two buildings reached out and asked if I wanted to operate the portfolio that I had helped developed. And I wasn't really thinking about doing it, but what had happened was that at the same time, I tries to raise money through a friend who has a small private equity network. His name is Cody Shirk. You're a friend of his as well. You know him well. I know you've been to his conference or one of the conferences where he participated in Puerto Rico. And he raised about $1.2 million for me to get back on my feet again. And we developed a project with 12 short-term rental units. Very, very nice. In Centenario, a couple of blocks from here as well. And that was finished last year. And... After that project was finished, other investors start opening their eyes. Another friend of yours approached me, and we're currently developing a seven-story building with an eight-story building with him. And we are developing another project from scratch, actually, with 19 short-term rental units on the Sona Rosa Strip in Granada. So how many units do you have in total? We have 33 that are in our current administration. We have 26 that are undergoing construction. And a local developer came to us with 74 units. They've sold all of the 74 units and they wanted us to be the, they call it the suggested operator for that building. So we are in the process of onboarding several of those units. I'm not sure how many we're going to get, but it potentially could double or even triple our portfolio. That was a lot of information. I want to go back to a couple of things that you said. Number one is, you know, talking about the, the investment opportunity in short-term rentals here, as you mentioned. Mortgage rates are extremely high here, right? So it's very hard. It's almost impossible to leverage because with that, you know, if you're paying 10 to 16% of your mortgage, like there's not really anything to leverage. That also means that real estate is not as pumped up, if you will, as in like the States and in Europe, where the low interest rates have allowed people just kind of bid up the market and, and prices have just gone, gone crazy, especially in the last like 10, 20 years. 
But now we're seeing those interest rates going up. So, you know, real estate in those in those countries, it, it's going to be harder, I think, to get like a really good ROI, even using leverage because the interest rates have been going up. So I think now is a good time, especially because the dollar is so strong. I think it's a really good time for especially people in North America and especially in the US to look abroad and see like, hey, where can we actually get a, a very good like cash on cash return on, on our money? And to give people some some background on this apartment, as Patrick mentioned, I bought it in 2017. I think it was 2017. Yeah, yes, 2018. Yeah. And I I was looking to make 10% net on my money after all expenses and everything, right? Which is, I just actually calculated the numbers. I'm actually right around that number. So after paying you and after paying the, the bills, electricity, like all of that, I still end up with about 10%. And that's just because the, the real estate is so affordable, right? I paid $145,000 for this unit. Two bedroom. It's a penthouse unit with this beautiful terrace here in one of the nicest neighborhoods in the city, right? And this is not a small city. This is a city of over 2 million people, right? It's the third largest city in Colombia. So to me, when I came first down here and I stood on this on this roof terrace overlooking the city, and I'm thinking I'm in I'm in a, one of the best areas of a multi-million city, the third largest city in Colombia, which is fast-growing economy. You know, I just felt like this is going to be a good investment. You know, like people love views, right? Especially on Airbnb. Like my, I myself, I actually stayed in one of the units downstairs, and that has a jacuzzi. And I was talking to my girlfriend about this. I was like, you know. Is it worth it? Because I remember that was an option. It was like, hey, do you want a roof terrace or do you want a jacuzzi, right? I was talking to my girlfriend about this. I'm like, a jacuzzi, I'm going to use it like a couple times a week. The roof terrace, I'm going to sit here every single day, unless it's like storming or something. Like I'm going to be sitting here multiple times a day, having coffee here in the morning, having dinner here. This roof terrace to me is such a big value add. And I think that's probably the reason that the apartment's been performing well in Airbnb, even through... COVID, right? Yeah. So, you know, just kind of talking about the investment opportunity, like what what are you seeing right now in this market? Like when you look at real estate prices, when you look at the rates, the ADRs on, on Airbnb, like is it still feasible to make around 10% after cost in this market? Yeah, I definitely think it is. But let me dig into that a little bit more because there's certain things that I think are important to have into your considerations when you're considering moving into a emerging market or or Latin American market. One thing is the local currency has been absolutely crushed against the dollar. And that's not just Colombia. That goes for Brazil, it goes for Argentina, it goes for Chile, it goes for Peru, it goes for Mexico, it goes for many of these Latin American markets. But the local prices, except for maybe Argentina, they're, 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 they're quoted in the local currency. So if you have dollars and you have savings, then you can really get a lot a big bang for your buck when you come to these markets right now. And one thing is, of course, if you're buying from a developer and, and they calculate their profit into it and, and furnishing and all that kind of stuff. But if you're buying something old that needs to be renovated, then there are some screaming deals to be found out there. The key part to it is to make something that is nice enough that the Americans would want to rent it. So 80% of our guests are Americans, and that means we can price in dollars. If we're pricing in the local currency, then we will attract the local people, but they don't, I mean, to put things into perspective, 
it was 1800 pesos to the dollar when I came. Now it's 4,600. Yeah. For an American, $100 is still $100. But for the locals, $100 is all of a sudden more than, it's like two and a half times more expensive. So you want to have something that is nice. And by that, I mean, for maybe an American or European, it's basic. I talk about hot water. I talk about air conditioning. I talk about comfortable beds. I talk about uh, strong Wi-Fi. But for a North American, that, that's basic. They wouldn't even consider renting something that doesn't have it. North Americans don't have a lot of vacation, but when they do have, they splurge. They tend to spend a lot of money. They like to go on expensive cruises. They like to stay in, stay in expensive hotels, nice Airbnbs and so forth. The Europeans have a little bit longer vacations and they probably don't spend as much per night in our experience as the Americans. So we try to target the Americans also because a lot of American flights make it into Cali and, and Colombia in general. I think the local airport has 72 international connections every single week, and most of them are North Americans. Back to the question, can you buy locally and still generate 10% return? And I think, yeah, you can. I mean, you bought actually when the dollar was not as strong. So we are having a hard time trying to keep up with the dollar in our nightly rates to make sure that Jasper still get his 10%. But we're doing it and it's manageable. Um, so the average nightly rates for us right now are about, on, on your units, it's somewhere between 80 to $120, depending on the season. And for the rest of our portfolio, not all of the units are as big and nice as this one. They they average about $60, $70, but it, I, you got to have into your consideration that we have a mix of studio apartments and then the biggest one is a four bedroom. So, and of course, remember that this is not a place where you can get a loan as a foreigner. This is a cash market. Unless you have a residency here, unless you have proven income in Colombia, the banks are not going to loan you any money. So it's a place to bring your cash and invest it if you have some sitting. And, and one thing that I think is interesting to add to this is that I told you about uh, Alianza, where we place our money. So we pay your dividends into Alianza and Alianza right now is paying somewhere between 10 and 11% interest. So you earn your rental income from us and then you put it in, a, in an account and then you still earn you, your interest on top of, of course it's in pesos, but it's still worth having in mind. Yeah. The interest rate that you get here on the on the regular bank account, just a regular savings account, is is pretty crazy. I thought it was like seven, but now I guess it's already gone up. Keeps going up. And then, like you know, there's a chance that the Colombian peso is going to appreciate as well over the next five to ten years. It doesn't always go down. It's been going down since in the last ten years. Could also appreciate, right? So, so going back to investment opportunities in emerging markets and specifically here in Colombia, I want to talk about what are the pros and the cons so we've already mentioned some of the pros are like you know you can you can you can buy real estate way way cheaper than in in the western countries there's some cons as well right and i know you have an interesting story about that has to do with risk right because there's some risks when you invest in a in a country that you're not familiar with there's risks right because you don't know exactly how the game works like you don't know exactly who to trust so t tell us that story where you lost quite a bit of money on that land that you bought. <laughs> yeah, I think I left that out of the intro, but the two minute version was that um, after we'd done our first two individual Airbnbs and we were trying to scale up on our by ourselves before joining Life Afar, we found a piece of land that we would like to develop. And it was a beautiful piece of land in an area called Cristales over here, and we could build 18 units on it. And we were teaming up with a a local developer, meaning they had the, the skill set to develop a building and we had the abilities to raise money to develop this project. The idea was to do it more the traditional version where you kind of buy the land, you put on like a little demo house where you show people the quality of the work that you're planning to do. 
and then you sell until you reach a break-even point, and then you start building. That was what we were trying to do. And we bought the land, and we actually paid in cash for it. It was most of our savings, me and my wife, it was about $100,000 at the time. And just as we were out there at the property doing soil samples, because we're in an earthquake zone, so if you're building from scratch, you need to do soil samples to determine you know, the composition of the concrete and so forth. Then a guy showed up and said, hey, what are you doing here? This is my family's property. And say, what? What are you talking about? We just bought it. No. And then an investigation obviously started and the guy was right. And it started a legal process. In conclusion, he had been robbed of his property. I was the owner of his property because the, the transaction went through. But it was a guy with a fake ID that kind of signed the title work. So there's been a legal process now for about seven years. The property is still in our name. He has possession of it. And another guy ran off with our money. And it's a very, very long, <laughs> boring legal process that I recommend people not to get into. I would like to add to that. In Colombia, when we did the transaction, you signed at a notary and you put your fingerprint. These days, they have a national fingerprint database. All Colombians have their fingerprint in the database. And when you buy and sell property, they match your fingerprint up against the database to really verify that the person signing is that person the real owner of the property. That did not exist when we signed these papers, which means that today the risk is a lot smaller. You can still get scammed, of course, but the, the risk is a lot smaller than it was. You always got to work with a good lawyer. You always going to do a proper title study and always got to feel your, your, your sellers out, <laughs> make sure that they're not too desperate. But more than anything, if you want to eliminate that kind of risk, it's best to work uh, with a local developer, really. Somebody who has experience, somebody who has a good track record, and, and somebody who potentially brings an alianza in the middle, kind of as an escrow, where alianza holds the money while uh, the developer develops the project. And that way you can kind of eliminate that risk. There are other ways as well, but those are like the basic versions. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's a big thing, right? And when you go to a new country, like I've traveled to about 100 countries and I can guarantee the amount of times that I've been approached by people with amazing investment opportunities, they're everywhere, right? And you know, I don't know every time like I got pitched by these people, like oftentimes they they invite you to free drinks or like a free trip or something like that. But the goal for them, and they don't always disclose that, the goal for them is just to introduce you to investment opportunities and to hope that you will invest into it. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure some of those operations are scams, you know, like maybe not all of them i don't know but but that was definitely one thing that was really important for me like i've invested in philippines and thailand in here in colombia is like just trust right do you have to do so much due diligence to really understand like okay is this a is this a legitimate party that i'm dealing with do they have a track record like you said like like looking at buildings that they've already completed potentially finding some people that have invested in those buildings and talking to them and saying like, hey, was that a good experience? And, you know, that's kind of what I did with with the company that you were working for, Fire International. That's the reason why I invested with them was because I, I knew the people, like I, I knew several of their clients and I heard positive experiences. So that's definitely like a really important thing. If you, if you invest anywhere in like a country where you're not familiar be very, very careful because as Patrick just has shared, like you can lose a lot of money and you will have no idea that you're getting scammed, right? You even had a lawyer involved and, and all of that. So let's get into a little bit of like, what are some pros and cons? And also when it comes to like managing, right? Because you manage, what is it? 33 units down here. 
for people that are listening and might be interested in expanding to international markets and actually managing properties there for other owners, like what are some pros and cons and what are some things to keep in mind managing units versus Western country? I think unless you plan to be on the ground, then don't plan to manage it for yourself. Because yeah. dealing with, first and foremost, if you don't speak the language, that's one thing. The other thing are the labor laws. This is kind of a country that protects the, the employee. So every time you screw over some employee, I'm not saying you should do that. I'm not saying that I do that. <laughs> but if you screw over some sort of an employee, the first thing they do is go to the Ministry of Labor and they start a legal process with you and you can end up with a big, big headache. But you want to hear about the pros and cons. <laughs> so if we start about the pros, one thing is, uh, you know, if, if, especially if you have dollars, then or euros for that matter, then your funds just go a long way. You can buy a lot with very little. I mean, I come from a small village in Denmark. I don't think we could get anything that I would want to live in for less than four or 500,000 euros. And I'm sure Holland is kind of the same. Where here I could find, I mean, my house is probably 150,000 euros to, to compare, right? And I live in a nice gated community with a swimming pool and we have a maid and 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 we we have a really nice life here. But that's the pro, the ability to purchase. The other thing is that foreigners of any race or any from any country, I should say, can buy here with no restrictions. So there are no restrictions. You know, there's some countries where you cannot buy beachfront. There's some countries where, where there are restrictions. You can only buy 49%. I think Thailand is one of them. Mexico used to have those kinds of restrictions. So Colombia doesn't have any restriction on foreign ownership, which is another plus. Um, if you're looking to renovate, there is a great pool of talent when it comes to architects, interior designers, uh, craftsmen. But unless you're working with somebody who actually manages the place for you, then you got to you know be on the, on the lookout for not being scammed on prices and stuff like that. Yeah. Mostly because uh, it's not that people here are evil, but they they see an opportunity to sometimes quote a little bit higher when they see that, hey, here's a foreigner. This guy probably has dollars in his pocket. Okay. Um, so I recommend that people get three quotations for every activity. Let's say you're changing all the carpentry. We'll get three contractors out and, and then compare right, and go with the one that gives you the best feeling. What other pros? So the pro here is buying in dollars. Well, you you bring in your dollars, but you buy something in the local currency. But if you get it nice enough, you can still get a return on your dollars because we quote the nightly rates in dollars. Service is very, very cheap, meaning we have a small property management company. We only have 33 apartments, but we have 12 employees. I don't think you can get away with that in many other countries. It simply wouldn't be feasible. But the minimum wage here is about $250 as it is right now, plus pension and healthcare, it comes about $350. So access to cheap and qualified labor is definitely a benefit at the same time. And then I think there's something about being diversified. I think uh, if you're in one of these highly leveraged economies right now, if you have been buying real estate at the top, if you are all in equities, if you're all in one market, I think there is an argument for being diversified. And I think especially with what we've seen in the last couple of years, COVID restrictions and all those kinds of things, an investment in Colombia with 350 times the minimum wage, which is right now about $85,000, would give you residency in Colombia. So it's like planting an additional flag. You could open a bank account. You can make sure that you're not too exposed to any one region in the world, which also thinks is 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 a benefit. And then, of course, you're kind of uh, investing in a growth story, meaning Cali uh, has its beautiful parts like what you see behind us, but there are definitely still some rough parts around the town. And, and there's definitely uh, potential for the city to be developed. And with development usually comes appreciation, more tourism, better nightly rates, and so forth. So uh, th those would be some of the pros. You might have some other ones that you can add. Some of the cons, of course, is if you don't speak Spanish, then it's hard to do business here. 
I've had a hard time. I think in all the time I've been here, I've only found one attorney in Cali that speaks proper English, maybe two. But after nine years, that's not a lot. Finding an accountant that speaks English is almost impossible unless you want to contract one of the big four like PricewaterhouseCoopers or Deloitte, and that's going to blow your budget immediately. And then I think there's something to be said about the regulatory aspect. There are some paperwork that you need to get sorted out. You need to have a you need to be registered with the Ministry of Tourism in order to do short-term lettings legally. If you're buying into a residential building, you need to make sure that the HOA rules permits for the short-term rental use, which most of them do not. So don't don't trust when the seller tells you that you can do it. Always ask for documentation and revise it by yourself. I would say people here could tend to be a little bit opportunist, and sometimes they will say anything that needs to be said in order to get a deal done. And then, of course, just the whole perception of time. Things move slower here. Things don't move as fast. And that can bother people if you're used to living in a very fast-paced environment and you're used to asking people something once and then things just get done. Here, sometimes you need to be on people's backs. You need to ask them several times. You need to follow up. You need to push through, uh, which definitely takes a certain personality and tenacity. That being said, there are also benefits like sitting in the sun and enjoying the tropical weather almost every single day. So yeah, of course, you heard about the cons about, you know, you got to be aware that you don't get scammed. There are actually certain pieces of land here in Cali that has a sign that says, Land is not for sale. <laughs> Just to give you an idea that these scams, of course, I was unlucky, but it's also fairly common that people yeah. try to scam people, especially in land deals, more than in, in when you buy an existing apartment, so to speak. So those would be some of the pros and cons. I don't know if you have anything else to add from your experience. Yeah, I mean, um, definitely what you mentioned, like you can offer like a very high level of service here, right? Like I, I literally today, like ask for laundry and and it was done within a few hours. And how much was it? Like $5 or something? It was so cheap, right? That kind of brings me to the next topic, which is, you know, Kali as a, as a travel opportunity, as a travel destination, you know, that's something we want to dive into too, because I haven't been here for two and a half years, you know, obviously because of COVID, like we couldn't really travel a lot. But now that I'm back here, I almost forgot like, how affordable everything is here and it's probably even more affordable now than like two and a half years ago because you mentioned like the dollars is so strong right now and you know me and my girlfriend have been going out in the last few nights to, to these amazing restaurants and every time the bill including the bottle of wine and and the steak and everything you know i think the the highest bill that we've had was like maybe like 50 60 dollars or something but a lot of times it, it was like 20 like 30 dollars and it's like wow and this is only it's only like we're four hours away from Miami. Like if you live in, in Miami and you want to, it's about $400, like a return ticket. Let's say, let's say anywhere in the US, like four to $600 return ticket, you can find it. If you spend a week here and you go out every night for dinner, you'll probably, it's probably cheaper, including the flight and accommodation. It's probably cheaper for you to fly out from Miami down here and go out to the restaurants here versus going out to the restaurants in Miami, you know, cause there you're going to be spending like $150, $200 per dinner, if not yeah. more. Right. So it's just the price level is crazy. Like things are just so affordable here. Plus Cali is like, Cali is a very interesting city because it's not on, on most people's minds when it comes to tourism, right? People think of Medellin, people think of Mexico, people think of, you know, Brazil, but there's a, it's, it's really cool here. I almost forgot how cool it is here. I'm walking around this little neighborhood and there's tons of little art galleries. There's tons of little restaurants, cafes. You mentioned like, there's a lot of talent here when it comes to design. You can tell, like I was walking through San Antonio, which is kind of like the colonial neighborhood. It's, it's also built on a hill. So it's like, it has really nice little rooftop places where you can you know oversee the city 
And it's just like the design is so cool. Like a lot of places have amazing design. Like me and my girlfriend, we found this like little co-working spot has like a beautiful garden and like the everything is just so well designed that we we ended up spending like three or four hours there doing some work, you know, having a glass of wine. Everything is pet friendly here, it seems like. So we have a dog. We can bring the dog everywhere, everywhere. And it's very quiet. Like it doesn't feel like a like a huge city. You can walk around, like there's not a lot of cars on the streets except for some busy roads, but like you walk through the neighborhoods and it just feels like almost like you're in a little village inside of a bigger city. And then, you know, on top of that, there's the culture, you know, there's salsa places everywhere. This is the capital of salsa. And there's not a lot of of tourists. So like when you walk into a salsa bar, you're actually going to be dancing with Colombians and not with fellow Americans who are on holiday. Exactly. You know, right. It's like, it's very local here. Like, here you can really like feel the the culture and the and and the life of of Colombia versus you know I've been to Medellin you know that's where we first met I think or at least like I met the guys at Far. If you stay in like the nice neighborhoods, like it almost feels like sometimes you're in Europe or in the U.S. because there's so many foreigners walking around, and that's not the case here. This is just like kind of an unexplored city, and then on top of that, you have there's some cool things to do as well. There's this place is famous for what's it called in Parapante is called in Spanish. Oh, yeah. Um, hang gliders, right? Yeah. yeah, paragliders. Like you can go, uh, there's a lot of mountains around here. So you go up and you you paraglide. What are some other cool things to do for people if they're interested in? I've been selling this city so hard that I imagine there's some people coming down in the next few months. What are some other cool things that people can do here while they're on a holiday? Okay. So that's a very good question. A lot of people ask us, especially people that are looking to invest here. What are the type of tourists that come? So let's start with that one first. So Cali is very famous for uh, medical procedures. So we have a big medical tourism clientele, which has special needs. I know you talk a lot about finding your your guest avatar, (laughs) and we definitely have a lot of those. Cali, I think two of the hospitals here are ranked top 10 in Latin America. And just in Cali alone, they do like 50 or 60,000 plastic surgeries a year. So there's a lot of plastic surgery. We had a lot of people that come for dental work. So if you look up this guy like Mario Montoya, he has like a million followers on Instagram. He designs uh, smile designs, like these veneer porcelain teeth. And, and that attracts a lot of people as well. We have bird watchers, which are probably the best clients you can ever have because they are well-educated. They spend a lot of money and uh, they're quiet. They go to bed early. <laughs> and then we have, of course, we don't get a lot. There's a lot of backpackers, but they mostly tend to hang out in San Antonio, where the hostels are, where you can get a bed for 10 bucks a night. That's not a big part of our clientele, but there are a lot of them here. And then a lot of people come for the nature, meaning you have whale watching in Buenaventura, which is about two hours away. You have beautiful hiking trails where you can hike to waterfalls. You can do downhill bicycling. <laughs> you can do the paragliding. We get a lot of people that come for the nightlife. Cali is famous for the nightlife, the dancing, the drinking. Also, it's very affordable, but also because it's known as, along with the Cuban and, and New York style salsa. This is like the original salsa. So they're like those three styles of salsa. And then we're starting to see a lot of digital nomads, people that were used to maybe paying $5,000 in rent in New York or Chicago or Los Angeles. They come here, they spend $1,500 and get a really nice apartment. Mm -hmm. They go out to eat every single day. They do Rappi, which is like Uber Eats. They get a maid. They, They just have a really nice quality of living. And if they can do everything remotely, well, why not? Earn dollars, spend pesos. That is a very attractive proposition these days. Yeah, I just want to touch on the digital nomads because that's a that's a trend. You know, that's a lifestyle that's that's growing very fast. It, it, there was already a trend 
in remote work and digital nomadism. But with COVID, it's just exploded. And, you know, this is a great place for digital nomads. Most of them, they go to Medellin. But I, I would argue this is better. Cali is better because it's like, it's so it's more affordable. And it's, you know, like I said, like, you're not, it's not so crowded. But the internet is fast. Like me and my girlfriend have been working on our laptops from several places. And we've been doing calls, video calls, like everything. And it's, yeah, it's not a, it's not a big deal. And you mentioned hiking. Well, behind us, you see a hill or a mountain. And by the way, Cali is like, we're at an altitude here, right? 1,000 meters. 1,000 meters. That makes the climate amazing because we're pretty close to the equator. So the whole year round, it's very stable. There's no real winters or summers. But because we're at an altitude, it's a little hot right now. Like, you know, I'm definitely sweating a little bit sitting out here in the sun. But, you know, like in Cartagena or like at sea level in this area, it, we wouldn't be able to It'd do that. Yeah, it would be way too hot. So, you know, Cali has a very stable 28 degree-ish, you know, usually. Average. 32 average. Yeah. Uh, a little warmer. Than, what's that in Fahrenheit? 89. 89 in Fahrenheit. All right. So, like, it's warm, but it's not crazy. It's not crazy hot, right? Because we're at an altitude. So that hill behind us. What's it called? Tres Cruces? Cerro Tres Cruces. Yeah. And I don't know if you can see it on the camera, but there's three big crosses on top of that hill. And that's a very popular thing for people to do here is in the morning is to hike up that mountain there. So that's probably what we're going to be doing on Saturday and Sunday. So. Absolutely. I think maybe one thing to mention as well is the gastronomy. I don't know if you've oh, been yeah. blown away by the produce here. The food is really good. The restaurants are really up in their levels. I would say international level gastronomy at many of the restaurants now at super affordable prices. So, and, and some of the restaurants have live music at night, really high quality entertainment. I definitely recommend it. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point too. Cause you know, I, I live in Panama and in Panama, a lot of good food is expensive because it's imported. Like they don't really produce good meat down there, for example, uh, in my opinion, probably going to piss some people off right now, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, so most of the, the meat, if you want a good steak, like it's going to, it's going to be imported from the U S and then even in, even though the, you know, labor and stuff is cheap. You're still, if they have to import it from the U.S., you're going to still pay U.S. prices. Here, there's a very large local local industries and agriculture. So a lot of the products that you, high quality products that you buy here, they're actually produced here. So that that makes it affordable too. I mean, I was at a at this amazing restaurant that I told you about, Bo Bohemi. It's called La Bohème. La Bohème. Yeah, it was just incredible. Like the view. I ordered a half a kilo steak that's 500 grams i'm not sure how many ounces it is but my guess is that yeah that's like that's like is that like 20 20 ounces or close to 20 ounces i think i don't know how many ounces to the pound but anyway it's a big steak like i would struggle normally to to eat that i was very hungry so i i, I had no trouble eating it but it was man that was like such high quality steak it was that was that that's just as good as you go to a steakhouse in the US, in my opinion. And that steak was about 25 bucks. Which in, in Cali is a lot of money. Yeah. Well, this is one of the most expensive restaurants in the city, probably. It has an incredible view. But still then, like to to eat such a big steak, high quality steak for 25 bucks, that's, you know, like in Panama, like you'd be, you'd be paying like, I would say like 60 to $80 because it's imported from the States, right? So... Let's wrap up this podcast. You know, let let everybody know where they can find you. Like, and and Patrick is the expert here in Cali. He has a blog called the Cali Adventurer. So, if you ever travel down to Cali, 
you know, hit him up. He knows everything. He has amazing places where you could stay at, including mine, of course, <laughs> with this beautiful balcony <laughs> rooftop. So yeah, Patrick, let everybody know how they can find you. Yeah, they can check out the blog for sure, caliadventure.com. They could check us out on Instagram. Those are mostly just for our apartments. It's called Extra Cali. So it's E-X-S-T-R for like expert short-term rentals, if that makes sense. And also our website, exstr.co. That would be the best way to find us. Awesome. Any final thoughts before we wrap this up? No, I think that's it for today. Thank you for having me and looking forward to seeing you down here. Happy to help you out. Happy to see more more foreigners come and explore this place because I really do think it's kind of a, a diamond in the rough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 100%. It's a it's an amazing spot here. So anyway, thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed this. And if you're listening, highly recommend check out the YouTube video. Check out Get Paid for Your Pad on YouTube. You'll be able to see the videos so you can actually see the view behind us, what it looks like. And of course, if you do go watch it on YouTube, like uh, make sure to give us a like, give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We'll be posting a lot more YouTube content in the future, myself and Eric and the Overnight Success team. So thank you for listening. Have a great week. And Eric and I will be back on Friday with another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. See you later. Thank you so much for listening to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. We really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you want to learn more about hosting on Airbnb and building a short-term rental business, then go ahead and subscribe to our daily email newsletter at getpaidforyourpad.com. And if you're just starting out on Airbnb, make sure to download our free Airbnb starter guide at getpaidforyourpad.com forward slash get started if you enjoy this podcast make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and please leave us a review on apple Podcasts for a chance to win lifetime access to the short-term rental profit academy our starter course for anybody who wants to start an airbnb business every month we select one random reviewer and give that person access to the course Um, So if you want to have a chance to win access to the course, uh, please leave us a review and then uh, you might uh, join our program pretty soon. So thank you for listening. Check back every Monday for a new episode of The Host Show and every Friday for an episode of SDR Conversations of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.